As you take your seat, if you would like to turn with me to our scripture text this morning that's taken from the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, a beloved and familiar passage. And uh, we are continuing on our sermon series on Celebrate Jesus, What Makes Jesus So Attractive to So Many People, What Draws Us to Him. We're blending that with the theme of the week, love, Valentine's Day tomorrow. But uh, anyhow, 1 Corinthians 13 in your pew Bibles, it's on page number 1786. And uh, by the way, you have sermon notes on a little sheet that has an outline, and you have hopefully been given a larger sheet, and the trick of this is, is this has blanks to fill in. Of course, you can just reference this to find what the answers are, but this may help you to follow along and keep awake as we go along. Plus, for extra credit this morning, there is a part of this outline that's not in the small sheet, so see if you can catch what was left out of the little outline, if you have this outline. And happy Valentine's Day to whoever finds it. Anyhow, I am reading from the message translation, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase. And so it'll be a little bit different from your pew Bibles or your own Bibles. But uh, same point, same message, literally. So listen as I read from the message, as you read whatever translation you're in. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy but don't love, I'm nothing but a creaking, the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, And if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering truth of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Inspired speech will be over someday. Praying in tongues will end. Understanding will reach its limit. We know only a portion of the truth. And what we say about God is always incomplete. But when the complete comes, 
our incompletes will be canceled. When I was an infant at my mother's breast, I gurgled and cooed like an infant. When I grew up, I left those infant ways for good. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the winter, the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then. See it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing Him directly just as He knows us. But for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us toward that consummation. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly, and the best of these three is love. Hector set up this message wonderfully. Who is it that impresses you? Do you have superheroes? When we were young, it was superheroes with superpowers. Maybe it still is. Superheroes. Today, a whole new generation of superheroes has arisen, plus the classics. Superman, Spider-Man, Batman. Still love them. When we get older, we're dazzled by superstars, actors and celebrity TV, superstars, movie stars, musicians, rock stars, athletes. Think about it. Perfect context for Super Bowl Sunday. NFL champions, Super Bowl. How many are rooting for the Bengals? Raise your hand. How many are rooting for the Rams? Raise your hand. How many could care less and aren't watching tonight? How many hate to raise their hand in church? Well, how about the Olympics? I love the Olympics with elite athletes with seemingly superpowers. Those who in Beijing have now become Household words, Nathan Chen, Sean White, Chloe Kim, Michaela Schifrin, the greatest of all time, GOAT, right? Think about that. Well, 1 Corinthians 13 gives us God's commentary on the things that this world values. Gifts, talents, fame, status, wealth, and power. All are nothing without love. Nothing without love. All this stuff amounts to zilch. Zero. Nothing without love. So God's superheroes are real people with the capacity to really love. Thus ordinary people with extraordinary capacity to love. Today we have a basic problem, and actually it's been a problem ever since humanity fell, Adam and Eve back in the Garden of Eden. Things broke back there in Eden. Not only do we have the problem of the world's 
incapacity to love, it truly takes a lifetime to learn the art of love in the lives even of spirit-filled believers. Plus, this world's complete understanding of what true love means and what is the meaning of love, according to the Bible. 1 Corinthians 13 has been called the greatest treatise of love ever written. John Wesley, the founder of United Methodism, said that 1 Corinthians 13 is the greatest chapter in the Bible. And so I hope that you will make this a part of your life and meditate on this chapter. Well, I have prepared an extensive outline, and I'm going to zoom through this, so hold on to your hat or whatever, keep your socks on, whatever you got. But um, we're going to zip through this outline in kind of a teaching style. Again, you know, some of my more teaching-driven sermons need extended notes, outlines. We're not going to develop any one of these points, but... Hopefully you can take these outlines and meditate on them, look up the scriptures again this afternoon or tomorrow for Valentine's Day or whatever. But the main point of this study and of this chapter is God's superheroes are real lovers. The first thing we want to consider is the preeminence and the prominence of love. The preeminence and prominence of divine love, verses 1 through 3. And I want to give you eight reasons why it's valuable to study this in Scripture. First of all, love is God's priority commandment. God's priority commandment. Anybody filling in blanks? Anyhow, no problem. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 Remember the disciples asked Jesus, Teacher, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, The first and greatest of all the commandments is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all mind, and all your strength. And the second is like unto that, Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus taught his disciples in his last night with them, A new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. You see, the priority of love is found reinforced all through the scriptures and I would say is the central theme and truth of the New Testament. The priority of God's commandment. The second reason for this study is love is the perfect gift. You're looking for Valentine's gifts For your beloved, love itself is the perfect gift. 1 Corinthians 13 is the context, in context, I'm sorry, the context of this great chapter are the chapters preceding and succeeding it. Think about that. 1 Corinthians 13 comes right between chapters 12 and 14. Anyhow, I find that interesting. People don't always catch that. People don't always pay attention to that. Those two chapters are talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit that capture so many people's attention. 
In the last verse of chapter 12, Paul writes, And now I will show you the most excellent way. In verse 13, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Love is the perfect gift. And love is the preeminent grace. The preeminent grace. Galatians 5.22, you know that great list or catalog of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's no accident that love is at the top of the list. All these other virtues flow out of love, the preeminent grace. Plus, love is the permanent virtue. The permanent virtue. For love never fails. Verse 8. Love is eternal. His love never fails. Never gives up. Never runs out on you and me. Love is a permanent virtue. And love is proof of our discipleship. Love is proof that we are God's disciples, that we are disciples of Christ. Remember that promise in John 13, verse 8. A new commandment I give to you. I just quoted that. Love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. The distinguishing mark of a follower of Jesus Christ. The distinguishing mark of a Christian to prove the authenticity of that discipleship is the way that we love one another. Wow, that's powerful. Love is proof of our discipleship and love is the prerequisite for our faith. Love is a prerequisite for faith itself. Galatians 5, 6 says, the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through love. You want to know real faith, deep faith? It's seen in the expression of love. Number seven, love is the path to follow. The path to follow. You want to know the way to follow the way to follow Jesus, love. First John 4, 7-12 through 12 says in the New Living Translation, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His only Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. And His love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us His Spirit as proof that we live in Him and He in us. So, love is the pathway for a believer to follow Jesus. And one more, 
Number eight, love is the prescription for a happy home. A happy home. Or happy love. But in the context of this verse, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22, it's in the context of a home. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. I almost left that verse out. It's not difficult, husbands, brothers, to love your wives as Christ loved the church. It's impossible. <laughs> right? Chip Ingram always said, it's not, it's not difficult to live the Christian life. It's impossible. Without the power of God through the Holy Spirit, His grace, His love flowing through you, And brothers, if you love your wives as Christ loved the church, love will fill your home. It's a big and tall order. One of those verses I'd rather pretend I don't know. But, just kidding. Anyhow, the preeminence and prominence of real love moves on to the practice of of real love, the practice of love, verses 4 through 8. Very specific things. In a book by C.S. Lewis, The Four Loves, he develops the four loves given actually in the Greek language that the New Testament is primarily written in. There are four words for love. It's much more detailed, much more involved than Our English word for love, there's all kinds of love that describes all kinds of things. But in Greek, there are four distinctives, four loves, and C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Four Loves. In fact, I have placed two copies of it in the back from my library that I want to give to the first come, first serve as a Valentine's present for you. Um, I'll watch to see if anybody races out after the service to grab them. Actually, Tony, has somebody already picked them up? Okay, there you go. And along with that, ladies and gentlemen, you also have a color card to go with them on love. So from now on until I retire, I'm going to be putting a couple books from my library out there for you to take. And that'll be my love gift to you, whoever gets there first. C.S. Lewis, what an awesome, awesome author. The four loves. Four, lo- four words for love in Greek. Eros, eros. A physical and sexual attraction. This word is not used in the Bible, eros. It's the word from which we get the word erotic or things like that. Eros was the Greek god of love, so comes down in terms of description of love. It's the most common idea of love today in our culture, in our society, this physical attraction. And actually, God gave humanity this love, this erotic love. Unfortunately, sin has broken and bent that kind of love in such a way that it often gets misused and distorted. But in marriage, it's an important part of love, eros. Second Greek word for love is storge, S-T-O-R-G-E, storge. It's a familial or family kind of love. 
the kind of love of parent for child, sibling love, if there is such a thing as love between brothers and sisters. No, there is. Blood, relative, blood is thicker than water, right? That kind of family love and affection, storge. Third kind of love is philos, philos, a social and emotional love, the love of friendship, the love of good friends, from which we get the word Philadelphia, brotherly love, the city of brotherly love. We also get philanthropy, words like that, from the word philos, that kind of love with which we love our friends, even unbelievers, have philos, love for good friends. Agape, the fourth word for love, is God's divine love. And this is specialized, the use of this word is specialized in the Bible, in the New Testament. It's a supernatural love, a divine love. Agape comes from God. The highest form of love, that's the love of 1 Corinthians 13. It is a love that is reasoning, esteeming, cherishing, choosing to love. Today we tend to think of love as a feeling, right? The world tells us, if you watch the soap operas and Hallmark Channel, you learn that love is a feeling. Well, it's much more than that. In fact, if you're going to love like 1 Corinthians agape love, it's a choice. It's a determination, intentional, deliberate choice of the will. Agape has been defined as the power that moves us to respond to someone's needs without any expectation of receiving anything in return. Think about that. That power that moves us, motivates us to respond to somebody else's needs without any expectation of receiving anything in return. The heart of this agape love is sacrifice, self-serving. And I would say to you, my brothers, even though I hate to mention it, that that kind of love from Ephesians 5.20, brothers, love your wives as Christ loved the church, that is a serving kind of love, giving yourself up for your wife. Whoa. Don't you just hate that? No. Sacrifice. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Say that with me. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That love is a sacrificial, giving, selfless love. John 15.13, Greater love has no one than this, then he lay down his life for his friends. Romans 5.8 But God demonstrates his love. It's demonstrative. It's proven in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Galatians 2.20 Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up 
for me. Again, giving of self, giving up of self for another is really agape love. First John 4.16, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. And John 3.16, one of the great 3.16s of the Bible, 1 John 3.16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And so we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. The heart of agape love is giving sacrificial love. There is a contrast of loves described in God's word. There's a contrast between God's love and the way the world loves. The difference is, for example, sometimes when people say, I love you, they're really saying, I love you because. It's a question of causation. I love you because, because you make me feel good. I love you because you make me look good, right? A trophy wife. I love you because you're so attractive, because he's so thoughtful. I love you because she's such a good listener. I love him because he always does things for me. I love him because he provides security, affection, attention, companionship. I love you because. It's not bad, but it's not complete. Another type of love in contrast to agape divine love is I love you if. I love you if. It's a question of condition. If you meet my needs, I will love you. If you don't hurt my feelings, I will continue to love you. If you stand by me, I will continue to love me. If you don't let me down, I will continue to love me. If you do what I want you to do, I will love you. If. But God's love, in contrast, is I love you, period. Unconditional love. I love you in spite of all the flaws. I know you intimately and I love you in spite of any flaws or failings you have. That's God's love for us. That we need to imitate and emulate God's love, agape love. Well, one more point. We've talked about the preeminence of God's love. We've talked about the practice of God's love. Let's consider the permanence of God's love. God's love never fails. It never lets you down. God's love never fails. God's love never ends. It keeps going and going and going and going. God's love never ends. And God's love never stops. God's love never stops. His love is forever. It is eternal. How can we love like this? How can we live this love, this 1 Corinthians love? First of all, 
We need to set the standard and use God's description from 1 Corinthians 13 as the standard of real love, not the kind of love that we see read in Nicholas Sparks' romance books. What? Anyhow, the kind of love that God has shown to us. Set the standard. Learn the truth about love from God's word and then recognize our limitations. Repent of our falling short of that perfect love that God commands us to love like that. We need to acknowledge how far, how far short we fall and repent. And thirdly, we need to open up our heart toward the love of God, to the love of God, that God can love in us, love us, so that we can love one another. God loves through us as we open up our hearts to him. Lord, fill me with your all-surpassing, all-compassing love. Be filled to overflowing with God's incomprehensible love. Be soaked, be saturated with the inexhaustible supply of God's unending love. Allow God to love through you. It's the only way you can do it. Be God's superhero today. Your superpower today is to learn to live to love with God's love. Be filled with the whole measure, the full measure of the love of God today and tomorrow, Valentine's Day. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your immense love for us. We do thank you, Lord, that you have set the standard and that you have shown us the example for us to follow that you've given us your Holy Spirit, that his fruit may be born in abundance in full supply in our lives. Help us, O God, to love one another, to love you fully, wholeheartedly, completely, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, that we might love others and be seen to be yours, to belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen.